Hi, my name is Carrie. I'm a wife, a mom, a daughter, a friend. I want to welcome you to the conversation. This podcast is to talk with people I value and invite you into the conversation. I hope these chats warm your heart and spark your spirit. I love talking with people in my life who are interesting and have lots of other ideas and want to talk through conversations that engage and encourage and bring new understanding and maybe fresh revelation in places where there's been questions or thoughts. So I hope that this is a place that you feel comfortable and welcomed and that you can be part of the conversation in what you hear and the interactions that we talk through. Welcome to Haven Chat. Hi, welcome. I'm so glad you could join in the conversation today. I just wanted to share my story to start out with. I'm a mom, as I mentioned in the intro. I have two beautiful girls here on earth and two babies in heaven. I'm married to an amazing man that I love, and I have an awesome family around me that I just really value. Our son, Eric, I want to start with his story. In January of 2021, I think most of us thought the COVID stuff was hopefully coming to an end that year, and 2020 was rough, but we were going to hunker down for 2021 and see what it brought. On January 2nd, we found out that we were pregnant. We thought we were done having kiddos. Um, we had had a miscarriage in 2019 at 10 weeks and we love our girls, but we thought, okay, maybe this is the amount of kids that the Lord has for our lives. So we were satisfied with that. But on January 2nd in 2021, I found out I was pregnant and we were so excited. We had two girls and we thought, well, it'd be fun to have another girl. It'd also be fun if we had a boy just to change things up. So we were looking forward to finding out what the gender of the baby was going to be. Our um, OB had the one I had used for both of our girls and uh, the baby that we miscarried. He had retired in 2020. So we decided to start with a midwife since we weren't established with an OB yet and get things rolling until we could kind of navigate the medical system in 2021, which was a little bit crazy, at least in California. And so we started with a wonderful midwife. She was awesome, super caring, came highly recommended from a really good friend. And she did the blood test to find out what the gender was so that I could surprise my husband, Jeff, on her birthday in February. Usually you have to wait until um, the 16-week appointment to find out what the gender is. But with a blood test, you can know as soon as you have the results back. So we found out that we were having a little boy. And we were so excited. The girls were so excited to have a little brother. We actually had a friend that we really love. He's older and is someone who just is solid and... um really an encouragement to our family. And he had a dream that we had a little boy who was two with red hair, 
We had not told anyone at this point that we were pregnant. So we were super excited about his dream and about um, having a little boy and then finding out we were for sure. And I surprised Jeff. I couldn't wait till his birthday. His birthday is the end of February and I found out kind of mid-February. So I wrote this note that was from our son and said, Daddy, you're going to be a dad of a little boy. We cried. It was it was really just a sweet time. That was in February. We waited until 12 weeks to announce that we were pregnant because we felt like that was the safety zone <laughs> the first trimester. And we announced it where we were all in superhero gear. And then we said, oh, our latest superhero is coming. He'll be born in September. And everyone in our lives, even just coworkers and um, acquaintance friends were really excited with us. And we thought this is going to be so awesome. We went through March with no issues. And April that year was Easter. I'm a worship leader at our church. And so I had helped with the Easter production and um, that went great. And then a few days later on a Wednesday, we had a play date with the girls' friends after school. And I stood up and literally fluid just started gushing. And I just looked at my friend who is actually a doula. And I said, I think my water just broke. And she said, I think you're right. So we got the kids packed in the car. My husband was at work and um, he works from home. So I called him and I said, babe, I think my water broke. I am headed to the hospital right now with the girls. My parents had just gotten off of work and they said, we will come up and meet you. So they came up and met us. I could hear Jeff searching around frantically for keys. We realized that the extra set of keys for our other car were in the van I was driving. And Jeff was panicked. He just was beside himself because he wasn't sure what to do or how he could help. He said, I'll call your sister and have her bring me down, meet you at the hospital. Great, I said. So I'm driving and sitting on a one of my vests in the car because I'm leaking all over. We get to the hospital. My parents are already there. My dad takes over. I just literally leave the door open, get out, and we walk into labor and delivery. I was 18 and a half weeks pregnant, and we walk in. I have fluid all down my jeans, and we come in, and the check-in nurse says, um, you know, what's going on? And we say, I think my water broke. And she says, okay, well, you'll have to go to the ER because we don't admit women this early. And my mom said, that's not going to work. She's, she's having an emergency. Something is happening. We need to, we need to have her admitted now. So this nurse goes to the head nurse and the head nurse um, says, okay, we'll allow it, admit her to room such and such. 
So they take me back and they get the monitor on and the nurse that is helping us get settled says, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just pee. (laughs) Um, Let's test it to make sure that it's not bad. And I said, does that happen that you can just have an accident? And she said in an overly hopeful voice, which is always a little bit of a cautionary tale when you're in a medical situation. Yeah, I mean, sure, right? That could, yeah, we've seen that before. Okay. So we, they send the fluid out. It comes back. No, it's amniotic fluid. I'm definitely ruptured. And we kind of just wait because we're not sure what the next step is. And at this point, Jeff comes down and he comes into the hospital and we sort of catch him up on what they've said. And we just wait and we're laying there and we're thinking, this is too soon. There's been such a promise over this baby's life. We've had a good friend who's already had a dream about him before we even told anyone. We know that this is not how this story ends. And the doctor comes in that was on that night because I hadn't established care with an OB yet. And he comes in and he says, um, I've given the okay to admit you. You're okay to stay for the next 48 hours. There will probably be a spontaneous miscarriage because of all the fluid that you're leaking. And we have a couple options here. And we said, for us, the option of termination is completely off the table. The Lord gave us this baby and we will ride this bus as far as it goes. And he said, okay. And I'm so grateful to this doctor for not pressuring us to do anything different than what we felt was right. And he said, okay, then we will ride this out and you'll probably miscarry in the next 24 to 48 hours. And I'm here through tomorrow morning. So if you need anything, you let the nurses know and we will help you through this. So our lives completely turned upside down in a matter of really seconds. And we thought, okay, Lord, we are believing you. We put out a call to some of our closest friends, to our church, and we asked people to pray and to pray for our son, that he would be born at the right time and that he would be healthy and strong. And the doctor said, sometimes ruptures fix themselves and they reseal. And we said, okay, we will believe God for that. So I didn't miscarry at 24 or 48 hours. Miraculously, I actually carried our baby son to 27 weeks and three days. And he was born emergency C-section. And he had had very little fluid for that last 10 weeks of his gestation that I was on bed rest in the hospital pretty much the whole time. And he was born 
breathing on his own, he cried, and he moved his arm. That is an absolute miracle. And we are so grateful to God for good medical staff and people who care about those kinds of intense situations. And so our 27-week, three-day-old son was taken up to the NICU. He was the sickest baby in the unit. They tried really hard to not have to put him on a ventilator and just put him on what they call bubbles, which is pushing air into their nose so that it forces their lungs to breathe. But they were not able to get him to breathe well enough on bubbles. So they put him on a ventilator. He did not have cerebral palsy. He didn't have a brain bleed. His eyes were healthy. His organs were functioning properly. He was such an incredible little boy. They took him up to the NICU. They brought me up after they patched me all up. And the doctor said, if we had waited even one more day, we would have had a very, very sick little boy. And with the inference that he probably would not have made it. We were so grateful to God for his life, for him being born. And we would go up to the NICU and visit him and his eyes would follow us. And he was so there. And we would walk into his NICU room and the nurses would say, your baby is so present. It's very unusual to have a NICU baby who's so present. This baby would turn the best he could when he would hear our voices. And he was just such a sweet buddy. When he was in my womb, we would talk to him and we would say, Eric, Jesus tells you his secrets, doesn't he? And he would start moving around in my tummy, and he had almost no fluid because of the leak. When he was in the NICU room and we would walk in, we would sing to him, we would read to him, we would talk to him, we would pray over him. But we would lean down and say, Jesus tells you his secrets, doesn't he, Eric? And his little feet and hands would start moving in a way that they didn't move any other time. We were so hopeful. We had an amazing team of doctors. And we were so grateful for their care and expertise. Eric was taken off a ventilator and was breathing on bubbles and was doing really well. And then that changed, that scenario. It was 2021, so in California, COVID was sort of wrecking havoc on the medical community because there were so many different rules and things were changing. People were leaving the medical industry because of certain things they didn't like or they didn't agree with. And so 
we had, there was a lot of change in uh, nurses. We had some excellent primary nurses, but they couldn't obviously be there all the time. And one night, Eric had a different nurse who was not familiar with his situation. And there was a problem. The ventilator tube came out and it took them a very long time to get it back in. And after that, things were a little bit different because there was a place that wasn't quite handled correctly. And so we said, okay, Lord, we're trusting you anyway. And Jeff said, babe, I feel like I'm supposed to make Eric's story public so people can share it. And I said, okay, we're pretty careful about our social media being public, but yeah, if that's what you feel, let's do it. And we found out that hundreds and maybe thousands of people around the world were praying for Eric. On September 2nd, at four o'clock in the morning, Eric was about 11 weeks old. And we got a call from the doctor on call. So not his primary, but the one who was on that night covering the NICU floor. And she said, you probably need to come down because it's not looking good for Eric. So we had had a couple of these calls before, and as soon as we had gotten there and prayed, we live about an hour from the hospital. As soon as we had gotten there and prayed and talked to him, he had come out of it. I think he was just a little bit lonely, and so it was hard for this little guy to fight on his own. So we said, yes, absolutely, we're coming down. My parents worked beyond the hospital about 20 minutes. So I called my parents and said, is it okay if I bring the girls? They said, of course. And Jeff said, babe, go down, be with Eric, love on him and, and talk him through it, babe. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll call you. Excuse me. So I get down there, drop the girls off and I'm, I'm getting ready to head to the hospital and I get a call from the doctor and she says, I'm so sorry. Your son is gone. And she said, your favorite nurse, his primary is here and she will rock his body until you come. Everything in me was screaming. No, no. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe this is just part of Eric's story and God raises him from the dead. I know about Lazarus. He was dead for three days and God raised him from the dead. And I know about the widow's son, and God raised him from the dead, so maybe that's what happens. In Eric's story, there's so many people praying, how could it not be that? 
So I called Jeff and I said, babe, Eric's gone. He said, what? No, no. So Jeff called work. He called out. He drove down as fast as he could. I hit traffic all the way. It felt like the eternal drive, which should have only been about a 15-minute drive, ended up taking almost an hour. I thought, there's no way. (laughs) We walked into that room. I got there before Jeff, and our favorite nurse was rocking his body. She just looked up at me, and she was just tears spilling out of her eyes. She just handed him to me and was like, I'm so sorry. So I held his little body and I rocked him. And I asked everyone to please leave the room. I prayed over him that he would come back to life. But that was not the reality that happened. Jeff got there and we sobbed over our son's body. Our favorite primary doctor came in. He said, this is not how I saw this going. I thought he was going home. (laughs) I don't think that helped. Because when you have someone who is in that capacity that sees very sick babies and your baby is the sickest and he tells you that that was not what he saw as the end of Eric's story, that he saw Eric going home. Yeah, very painful. My husband and I left the hospital and we just drove and drove to what felt like the end of the world, which... We live on the West Coast, so we ended up at the ocean in a parking lot overlooking these crashing waves on these cliffs, and we just sobbed and sobbed and tried to figure out, how does this go? Where do we go from here? And we stayed there. And then we drove home to pick up our girls. It was a very, very long day. And I felt numb. What just happened? I lost our baby boy. And I have known Jesus since I was six. And I've always had a very clear line of communication with hearing his voice. But I was so mad. How could you do this, God? How could you take our son? This is against everything I know you to be. This feels mean and cruel. It feels awful. And I know that you're a kind and loving God. So what is this? And I asked God, Please protect my heart from bitterness and hardness of heart. And then I stopped talking to him for about two weeks. And I am someone who talks to the Lord often during the day. We have regular conversations. 
But I was so mad. About two weeks into our grieving process, I was standing at the sink doing dishes because my family still had to eat even if I didn't feel like doing anything. And I just could feel God's presence close. And I felt my heart say, what? What do you want? And I was expecting God to come in and just sledgehammer me and say, you know what's right, Carrie. You know that you should have reacted better. What's your problem? That was not the reality of what the Lord spoke to my heart. He came very close and he said, Carrie... I'm patient with grief. You take all the time you need. And I just started crying again. Because his heart was kind, even though I was so mad and so hurt and so disappointed. A little while later, like a couple weeks Still going through this grieving process. My arms are aching because I don't have my baby boy. And the reality that I will never see him again on earth is so painful. And I just said, why God? There were so many people praying. He was a miracle story. Why? Why didn't you heal Eric on earth? And the Lord said, what if he chose to go to heaven? (laughs) And I realized in that moment that my 11-week-old son, who had a unique relationship with God from the womb, had chosen to go to heaven. And I told Jeff and Jeff said, babe, if it was Eric's choice to go to heaven, then we don't get to resent him or hold that against him. We have to respect his choice. And last summer, we had some really good friends come and stay with us. And they had really been praying with us for Eric They had actually fasted and prayed for us when we could not fast and pray. During that situation, I was pumping and life was crazy. And Eric had done better when they fasted. And then things changed and obviously Eric went to heaven. And she was talking to me last summer and she said, Care, after Eric died, I felt like I lost a nephew. We're we're very close friends. And she said, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, was it us? Did we not fast enough? Did we not pray enough? What happened? And she said, the Lord said to her, that's kind of irrelevant. And she said, the Lord showed her a picture that he had showed Eric, she felt like, And she saw this one picture that if Eric came home with our family, he would have a very sweet, fulfilled life. He would be loved and he would grow and he would have a family of his own. 
And then she said she saw the other picture she felt like God had showed Eric. And that was that if he went to heaven, his life and his legacy would touch people around the world. She said hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of people. And I thought, whoa, that wasn't just something God told me to make my heart feel better. That was a reality that Eric chose to go to heaven. So this podcast is called Haven Chat. Why? Because haven means safe place. And a few years ago, the Lord showed me a picture of this battle that was raging. It looked like a medieval battle. People were in metal armor. There were knights and horses and it was chaos. There was smoke. People were dying all around. It was intense. And in the middle of this battle, there was this huge round fortress. And as I was in the middle of this battle, this door opened and the Lord said, Carrie, come inside. And I was like, well, the battle's going on. And the Lord said, yeah, come inside. And he closed the door behind me and I walked into this fortress and it was quiet. There was no sound of the battle inside. There was a library. There was a crackling fire going. The Lord said, sit down. Let's chat. Would you like some hot chocolate in this picture? And I realized that even in the midst of craziness and chaos and pain, stuff that is part of our world, Jesus is inviting us into the place of rest. And that's what Haven Chat is based on. That we would have conversations about things that really matter. Like the birth and death of our son. Like free choice and why it matters and how much God values it. Even in an 11-week-old baby that he has a relationship with. And that we would talk about these things And that we would understand that Jesus is a safe place. Even when we don't understand, even when there's disappointment, even when there's chaos and pain happening all around us. Jesus is a safe place. He's our haven. And he wants us to come in and chat with him. I hope that you're encouraged by this today. I may talk more about Eric's story and how that sort of progressed, but I love that I have the honor of giving tribute to my son's legacy because of the safe place of who Jesus is. And I didn't always get it right. Grief is hard. It's it's messy. It's painful. It doesn't follow a linear line. It's kind of all over the place at times. Certain events 
trigger things that, you know, bring back emotion that is painful. And a good friend of ours said something that really resonated with me after Eric died. He said, Carrie, humanity was never designed for grief. We weren't designed for death. That was introduced in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve broke their relationship with God. And so that's why it's so heavy. But the good news is God comes alongside of us in our grief. And yeah, am I disappointed that I'm not raising my son? Absolutely. Are there times where my arms just ache or I look at a little 18-month-old baby boy and I think, I wish that was me (laughs) raising that baby? Yeah, absolutely. But I want to end this podcast with saying that there is no place of safety like Jesus. We can take him all of our emotions. But the biggest place that I think my 11-week-old son taught me was how much choice matters to God. Our free will is something that is priceless and has immeasurable power because of what God gave us in creating us in his image. And that's why what we choose and how we choose and the way that we use our words in the way that we speak to others and ourselves in the way that we choose Christ or don't in what we justify in our actions, those things all matter because God values free will and he will not cross it. I hope this has been not too much of a place of hard emotions. I hope there's still some place of hope in the midst of such a painful story, at least for our family. And I hope that this tribute to our son's legacy is something that encourages you in a way that You are alive and you have a free will and you get to choose life in the way that you talk, in the way that you think, in the way that you live. Please don't waste any of those moments. Ask God to forgive you and then move forward into the life of Christ. And know that there is the hope of heaven if you choose that. And it's so worth choosing beyond disappointment and pain. It's so worth choosing. Thanks for joining me on Haven Chat. I hope that you will tune in next week and we'll talk about things that matter and good stuff. Have an awesome week.